Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Fire podcast. We have a very special episode for you this week. And Ryan and I, we took a back seat on this episode. We are proud to facilitate this episode and allow Shannon Cornelius from Yellowbike take the lead. Thanks guys for just willing, being willing to participate in this because this is a really big episode. Uh, this is really near and dear to my heart because this is family. And when you walk with somebody even at a distance. I mean, they're family, but you're still looking at a distance and watching their their journey and their path. It's very impactful. Just going into the holiday season, we just really hope that people will glean some important pieces of information from this conversation because there's a lot of uh, wonderful things during the holiday season, but there's also some really hard things that the holiday season can bring out. And having some wisdom and some education on how to walk with the people that we care about during this time is just really impactful. So Nate and Janelle, they run an organization called Blessed With More, among their other things that they do. And we're going to find out what they do during the season and how they walk alongside people that are really hurting who have lost children uh, during this time. Everyone, just a quick disclaimer. There's about a five-minute section from this point moving forward where the audio glitched, and it sounds very echoey, but bear with us. Um, after that five-minute point, it becomes crystal clear. Thank you, everyone, for listening. So, yeah, so just introduction. So uh, Yellow, I'm owner of Yellow Eye Coffee, and we've been doing some coffee roasts and some just special projects throughout the community. And every year, um, I get texts from Janelle saying, hey, do you want to be part of our Christmas drop to the NICU? And I'm like, yes, but hey, let's do this like as a package deal. So... I know this is probably not super easy for you guys to sit here, and then this is a new thing. And Nate, is this the first time you've actually been part of some of these conversations? No, we've, maybe with the NICU it's the first time yeah. I've been part of the conversations, but uh, our journey has been together for many years with a lot of our um, benefits and fundraisers uh, since our loss. So. I guess I don't. We've done some video interviews with our church as well. That has been part of. Yeah, I was just thinking we did a lot of grief support stuff in the beginning too, uh, and so we. It's yeah, I've been part of it. Well, I'm I'm super happy that both you guys are here. So yeah, just thank, thank you, you for taking yeah, thank you for taking time. So, um, let's just start out with you guys introducing yourselves, and because of um, the organization that you have, and because like you just referenced, like speaking to. Um, different groups. Um, just unpack for us uh, just where you're at today and what led you to this point. And, and this conversation obviously will be quite fluid and uh, we will just see where it goes. But I think it being Christmas and being where uh, the project that you're doing now, this is just pretty timely. So, yeah. So I am Janelle Worms. My husband is Nathan. We um, have been on a journey through uh, several years of infertility um, in attempts to start our family many years ago. And uh, through that process, um, we have lost five children um, in the midst of pregnancies. So um, in the midst of that journey, we've tried to take all of the difficult challenges that we've gone through and um, turn our story into an opportunity to bless others and to give back in the midst of that. So we've, we suffered through uh, an early miscarriage, uh, an ectopic pregnancy that turned into emergent 
emergency surgery. Um, and then we carried triplets to just over 22 weeks. Um, and, and they lived for three hours each um, and ultimately passed away in our arms. So we've turned that last into a project locally called Blessed With More, which initially started as the name of a blog that I started to keep our family and friends informed of what we were going through in our journey and kind of the hopes and fears through uh, carrying triplets. And uh, God had a different use for that name. <laughs> so we've, we've taken that to become uh, the meaning behind that now to, to be able to bless people with more. Um, so the packages and items that we donate locally to our hospitals, um, midwives and doulas, in, in hopes that people will take a moment to stop and spend time with their children that they've that they've lost um, and build more memories with them before it's too late. Yeah, so there's like so much we could dive into yeah, with all of this. It's deep. <laughs> it's super deep. And um, and we've we've come across some families that have had some really serious trauma this year. And so maybe that's a, a good place just to start when, um, when things change so fast and all of a sudden things you didn't expect and things blindside you and um, that initial trauma experience. You know, what yeah. can you what can you speak to about that? Can you speak to that thing? Well I guess the the initials is no you don't know what to do with it. there's there's so much happening. Um, and so what we've tried to do is is just give tools to to remember that um, and to help you through that. And that's where the, the boxes have come from is just a memory making device. Um, and so we just, just create that opportunity to to put pieces together for when you're when you're reflecting back on that time. So you two different things there. One, it's the person experiencing the trauma and it's the people that are around them that love them. And we all know that people say and do a lot of well-meaning things, but they're really bad because they don't know. Right. Because they've never walked that path and they've never been there. Right. So um, let's just speak to those that family and friends. Like, what would you have to say to them? What What advice or what um, insight could you give to them on appropriate things, especially for the holidays right sure. now? Um, so I think one of the biggest things from the perspective of family and friends is always remembering to honor the family who's gone through um, that loss. So specifically in our situation regarding the loss of a child, it's saying their name, um, not being afraid of the awkward, not being afraid of somebody's grief or stepping forward. Because I think we're all afraid of grief. It's something that our society doesn't talk about well. Um, so not being afraid of the grief and walking into it intentionally, knowing that um, those families are thinking about their children and they're, they're already sad about it or they might feel uplifted about it in a moment of, um, of memory. But not being afraid that you're going to make somebody sad um, by, by mentioning their child or saying their child's name, but instead being with them and being willing to walk with them and hold their hand in the midst of that grief. So saying their name, I think, is really important, remembering them with any kind of little <clears throat> memento. And uh, people walk grief really differently. So 
For some people, it might be something that they have, you know, they might have pictures of their children hanging on their wall. They might have ornaments on their tree. Um, or they might have them stashed in a, way, in a box that they only take out at certain times, which, again, rotates back to the, the reason that we provide an actual box. Um, but I really, I don't think I've, I've met anybody in the years that we've crossed paths with other grieving parents who hasn't appreciated the acknowledgement of their name. So that for, let's let's break it down into maybe sections. Sure. So say you have you know friend or family, and this is the first week. Yeah. That like we just got this news, we didn't expect it, and everybody's like going, "Oh my gosh, what do I do? Do I text them? Do I not? Do I wait? Do I give them privacy? Do I you know?" Yeah. So break it down for that first initial, just little bit of time. What would you say to somebody who is the 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 friend? And then what could you say to the person who they're experiencing it? That, that first week is probably the most open because it's so raw, it really doesn't matter what you do. Um, and honestly, it, it goes both ways. So something that was good for us may not be good for somebody else. Yeah. But just being present is always good. Um, and I would... I would default towards contacting more than less. Yeah. Um, that first week, I want you giving too much space that first week couldn't be healthy. So, okay. I so, interesting. Is there anything else you can just say that again or maybe expand that a little bit? Because so many people don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah. Because they know that person's going through so much hurt and pain and they don't want to add to it by doing something wrong. But you're saying the opposite almost. Yeah. Well, Words aren't really necessary. I think just being present is um, is probably the the best thing. Uh, most people aren't going to have the words, and and that's okay. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or literally would, to say, I don't have the right words, but I'm here for you. Right. And, so, what would present look like? Can you give me two or three examples of? Um, depending on like the family structure, just helping out. Uh, you know, it's like. Um, that first week, I don't think alone time is is healthy. So to to bring meals, to um, check up on them, to clean the house, to do just to be there, um, like literally put a bowl of soup in their hand. Um, yeah, yeah. Pick up their kids from school or daycare. Take their other kids to a movie. Engage their other kids with other siblings to be present in that. And I can speak to that too as far as words. Here are words not to say. Here's a yeah. better way to say it. Right. If you start a sentence with at least, don't continue the sentence. If you're reaching out, don't ever have the word but in the sentence. So for example, well, at least they didn't suffer. They, you're suffering in the midst of it. They did suffer, and you are suffering. So regardless of whether they have beliefs that they are now at peace, it's denying them of the feelings to, to not be at peace themselves as parents. Um, those are t the two most that I, I lived and have heard the most from other parents say. Um, what's another one for an example of, um, of but? Um, I'm so glad that you 
you know, you didn't have to deliver them in such a such a way, or I'm sorry for your loss, but you can have more children. Um, acknowledging the fact that their life mattered, they're not going to ever be replaced, and that they already lived a lifetime in your hopes and dreams, that they're not replaceable, that they won't be forgotten, um, and that it is okay to say, I don't have the right words, but I'm here for you, and I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah just to, to sit with them, too, and just not say anything. Yeah. Um, again, just to be present is, is helpful. I think this is a, an opportunity to cross over to the holiday aspect of this as well, because I think a lot of things of, in this matter apply to families who are going through struggles in the NICU, who have a living child who's suffering and struggling. Um, and this is where we cross over for what we do in the holidays. So during the whole year, we provide um, memory boxes and bags and teddy bears and books for our local hospitals. But so describe what a memory box is for people who sure. don't know. Um, so the memory box includes items that encourage them to continue to make more memories with their child for whatever opportunities and times that they have um, with their child during delivery or even for somebody who's carrying a child who is, um, I guess, medically what they would determined incompatible with life. They know that they're going to pass away at some point in time, whether it's in utero or, or shortly after birth, um, to make memories. So a scent memory, if it's putting lotion on, um, a pack of tissues to acknowledge that it's okay to cry and that um, it's positive to process your emotions in the midst of it. Um, a memory book album to encourage people to take pictures, whether it's something that they look at right away or they look at in 10 years that it, to take the pictures. Um, that their child is worthy of having a picture taken, regardless of how they look, that you will want to see a picture of your child again someday. Um, a journal to take notes and memories, but also just because when you're grieving in that loss, you really can't hear. So for a family member to be able to grab a notebook and write down on your behalf, um, sometimes a bag of tea to just remember to do self-care a memory item that is not necessarily identified with a baby. So usually it's a ceramic bird, something that they can have in their office, in their house, that only they know what it means as a, a, memory, um, a memory item. And then the box itself, which has plenty of space to add whatever else it might be um, that they have, and a hand-stitched blanket. So... Understanding the purpose of these boxes is pretty deep. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that go through my brain because um, I haven't experienced this. And I think last year you and I did a project together and I remember just making the statement that and the realization that uh, when this happens to you, you're part of a club that you never wanted to be part yes, of. Exactly you didn't pick. That. You yes. didn't say, I want to be a member of this club. And now it's it's thrust upon you and you have to navigate through it somehow. Yeah. So thinking of that, um, you know, these boxes are deep and there's a lot in there. And I would imagine there has to be a vacillation between I need to put this behind me and I don't want to think about it. Yeah. But then understanding it's healthy. So just what have you come to understand of just the human brain and just the human people and just the necessity of processing through it no matter what it looks like? Yeah. Well, we all grieve differently. So like Nathan said, what might be right for us might not be right for someone else. Or what we might say was really helpful for us might have been incredibly hurtful for someone else. So it's 
it's hard because it's a road with a lot of landmines, um, especially for family and friends walking it. But when you're in the midst of it and don't expect it, you don't necessarily know what's right or what's acceptable in the midst of that too. Um, so for us, being able to provide these um, these gifts for people who don't expect walking into it, um, it's an opportunity to give something that they need that they didn't know they needed. So I think that was the biggest part of it for us going in. We received a little gown and a bonnet for each of our children, um, our, our triplets who passed. And I wasn't expecting that when they came back in the room and were, were fully dressed. Um, so for me, that was one of those realities of what more can we offer these families that don't know what they need and don't know what to expect and don't know what to do um, to be able to give them more. Um, and that's where the teddy bears come into as well as leaving the hospital with empty arms is one of the most painful experiences that we've ever gone through. Um, you're wheeled out literally alongside other people who are walking out with a car seat and you don't have car seat. Oof. Um, yeah. So it's, those are difficult things that people don't necessarily think about. Um, I think it, it also gives the, the workers something to, yeah. to help them um, during these times because they deal with it all the time, but just, you know, being, having something to give to the parents to help them process and, and to do something without words. It's like, yeah. you know, just, just handing a box and, you know, this is for you and your situation gives them um, an out, I guess you would say, to, to not have to have the right words for yeah. them. So how, give us some time frame of when, uh, just the years, because you're, you're doing this amazing project now, and I'm realizing it's helping the families who have lost, it's helping the support structure who lost, you're helping the hospital staff. I mean, but this didn't just happen overnight. How, when was this, and, and, and how did you get to this point where you're like, we feel we want to we wanna reach out somehow? Yeah, so we had our loss 10 years ago uh, this coming February. And uh, for me, my first goal was to just provide uh, three gift bags on what would have been their due date in June of that of Gift that bags year. to the gift nurses? Bags to, the, um, to the birthplace for, in my mind, it started so small. <laughs> <laughs> it was three gift bags in honor of my three children um, to give to three other grieving families. And that's where it started with. Um, and then it grew from there. <laughs> um, I'm, I was able to connect in with some other, really on the ground floor with the nurses who have been so amazing in, in helping these families um, of the tools that they, that they need, being able to meet other grieving families and realizing things that they received that we didn't. Other hospitals that just basically had um, better support programs um, and I've kind of been a self-starter with most everything. If I have an idea, I kind of dive in headfirst to most everything. Um, so it kind of grew a little bit more each time we gave donations from there. And then we crossed over to at the holiday season. We give um, 
Christmas stockings to all of the families who are in our local NICU. So for me, that's, um, that's an emotional one. <laughs> You'd think that it would be the opposite, that I'd be more emotional about um, the bereavement items that we give. But for me, giving to the NICU with the Christmas stockings is the place that we never got to go. It's the place my babies never made it to. Um, so our family uh, donated cash in the um, fundraising campaign to build our NICU at Ascentia in Duluth, Minnesota. Um, knowing that, we, so we were, our children were born at 22 weeks and six days. And our youngest had, um, I guess she's not our youngest. She would have been our oldest. She was yeah. born first. Our smallest triplet, her name was Alice. Um, had several medical complications. So she had spina bifida, chiari malformation, which is a deformation of the brain into the spinal column, and um, club feet, which we realized at 20 weeks during the anatomy scan. So we were prepared in, I believe, eight days to be transferred to Mayo Hospital to have a pediatric surgeon available for her. So we knew early on in that journey that we... We're anticipating a NICU. Um, so in our head, that was part of their memories already. We were planning for it. We were having conversations with surgeons. We were trying to figure out where we would stay, how we would figure all of that out. We had a two-year-old at the time, how we were going to care for her while we were in the NICU. Um, all of that was part of our journey, was part of their their story in our head, and it never came to be. So for, for so, me, we can, we can, we gift these things to the little ones who still have a chance at surviving to bless the families who are still going through a really difficult journey, even though they have not lost their child during, um, during the holidays. We also have many other connections to the NICU through um, uh, nephews and cousins yeah. that have, have lived through the NICU and just have a better understanding of what that experience is. Right. Um, and then we also like to bless the nurses and doctors that work in that because that takes a, a special person to to manage that kind of emotion and to, to help out those children, um, let alone uh, the parents and family that are, are cycling through that unit also, especially during the holiday seasons. Right. So... My brain is hearing another butt statement when you talk yeah. about Alice. Yeah. Um, because, you know, God wanted her home, but she's not suffering here. Right. You know, like there, everybody tries to put a twist of positivity, but that's not helpful. It's not. And it's a reality, right? So I have, I have that sentence in my head. Um, it's not helpful to hear somebody else reinforce the butt in that. Um, and it's, it's all from good intention, and it's a wonderful thing to contemplate, and it's, it's certainly comforting. We come from a place of faith in, in our walk and our journey, and we do believe that our children are in heaven and that they're in peace and that they're not suffering, and we celebrate that. In the midst of it, when you say that in, in the way of saying, um, at least they're not suffering or... Um, a parent's perspective will still always be they would 
they would still be better in my arms. Yeah, but I'd want that chance. Yeah. I still want that chance yeah. to be the parent here, this right. side of heaven. And I think this qualifies on such a universal level because I don't care if you're if you're in your 20s or if you're in your 90s. If you attend the funeral of your child, you're grieving in a way that is indescribable on a, in a depth that is, is uncomparable to anything else. And I, I haven't lived through the death of a child who's lived many years on earth. Um, but I think the depth of that is universal regardless how, of however old you, you always feel like you've missed out on something that you imagined doing with your child. Which leads us back to these memory boxes a little bit. What has been your response that you've gotten from people who've received them? It's, it's all over the map. Um, I, I'm assuming some of the boxes are just gone because the people are so devastated by the loss and they just want nothing to do with it. But beyond that, we've, we've had a lot of people reach out to us um, thanking us and and trying to support it once they figured out who where it came from and they're just really thankful for what what uh, we've supplied um, and then also from the the staff at the hospitals too we get feedback from them that it's it's helpful on their side um, yeah, I know. Any particular feedback or any conversations you've had with parents or staff members or anything that just kind of stands out to you? The thing that just came to my mind, again, is of those things in, in that box that might <clears throat> be important for one person and not another. So there was somebody, um, we always include a candle. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier. We, ha- we always include a candle of some sort. And there is... Um, Oh, I'm not going to remember the date now. In August, there is an international wave of light where there's a certain time of day that across the globe you light a candle in memory of your child. And so at some point, as the timeline changes, that wave of light encircles the entire globe of families who are grieving the loss of their child. And there was a woman who had a loss and received our box right before that timeline. And again, it's a club that you never anticipate being a part of. So you might not know about this um, celebration or, or memorial unless you had a family member celebrating it or, or honoring their child in that way. But she said, so I give in, in her box at the time, it was a little tea light. And she had, her husband had taken it out of the box. She, she didn't have the strength to open the box herself. Her husband had taken the tea light out and lit it um, next to her bedside table um, as she was grieving in, in that first week and really not even capable of getting out of bed. And she said that the tea light burned out and she panicked because it, she felt like it was this thing in honor of her child that was no longer. Um, so her husband bought like the world's biggest box of tea lights. <laughs> <laughs> and it became their thing of they, they always had a candle burning in honor of their child. And I... I'm sure it's been, you know it's many years later at some point in time they didn't relight the candle and that that becomes kind of that symbolism of our our hearts healing and it it doesn't become the weight of that every day anymore you find a way to function and move forward um, 
and carry them in your heart differently than maybe you do in those first weeks. But I know that was one thing that they that really stood out to me in a memory of, of one specific item that meant a lot. Um, there was another woman who had, had said at one point in time, um, I had lotion um, with the lavender, it was le- lavender uh, bedtime lotion um, with the intention that hopefully you have had opportunity to either put it on your baby while you're in the hospital or put it on your own hands when you're in the hospital so that you have a scent memory with your child. Um, and they were, they had that opportunity, but the bottle wasn't labeled with what kind of lotion it was. <laughs> and she had reached out to me needing to find that lotion again so she could always have their scent with them. And um, it was very easy for her to be able to go and purchase that. And for her, that was her thing. Um, we have a lot of people, not a lot, but we've had several people want to donate stuff to the boxes, um, handmade different yeah. trinkets and, and gifts, uh, bracelets, yeah. um, little memory hangers, I guess you would say, to hang in a window or yeah. or stuff like that. Blankets, we've had lots and lots of people make small blankets to put in the boxes. I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of handmade beaded bracelets that another lost mom made um, that we have in every single box as well. And that's, that's an opportunity that she took to remember her daughter and it's something she can do with her hands. That's an activity that um, she can include her other children in and, and remember her child as well. So, and that's another simple thing for a mom to be able to put a bracelet on and nobody else has to know what that means, but they can know what that means. Yeah. Well, I keep hearing through all of this, again, re- reinforcing the fact that everybody grieves different and their yeah. path is different. Absolutely. So you're now 10 years, mm-hmm. which that just blows That's my mind. <laughs> yeah, that just blows my mind. Um, but as, as parents and family and loved ones just start walking through this process, um, what have you found very helpful as far as continuing to move on? And where have been some just unexpected big roadblocks that you didn't, because I have to imagine you're yeah. like, oh, I feel like I'm making progress. I don't feel mm-hmm. so um, just you know, numb anymore. I feel like I can start reengaging in these things. And then I, I would have to believe just out of nowhere, sometimes things just hit. Yeah. So I call them grief semis. That's Literally appropriate. get hit out of nowhere by a semi. That's what it feels like. You're blindsided at an intersection that you didn't anticipate you would get hit by grief. Um, I'm 10 years out, and it still happens regularly. I would say 90% of um, my days are functional and, and not completely dictated by the weight of grief. I still feel like every day there's something that reminds me of them that brings me joy and not grief, um, and that's something that I... I'm intentional about and work towards. We have little reminders every day. So one of our things is um, whenever the time is 3.33, we feel like it's a little hug from our little ones. Threes are kind of everywhere in in our journey and our story with them. Our first functional date out, <laughs> do you remember that? We went on a date and we were talking about how both of us had been noticing 3.33 on the clock regularly. And... Um, like this is this keeps happening to me. Is this happening to you too? And he acknowledged that it did. And then we got the tab for our bill, and it was thirty three dollars and thirty three cents. 
Um, it's just what? like you can't make it up. Yeah. Um, so we have little moments of joy for, I would say, more often than than being hit with unexpected grief. But there are things that hit us out of the blue for sure. Um, the holidays are always really hard for me. We, I call it grieving season. We carried them from October through February. So all the holidays, we lived with them. Um, and so it's that bittersweet. I'm grateful that I have memories of them with the holidays. But at the same point, they are pinpoint times of very specific memories that are painful. Um, for me, I just posted this uh, on my Blessed With More Facebook page um, this week, we decorated our Christmas tree, and we have lovely ornaments that were gifted to us from from several family members, and they get me every time. Um, so some of that is cathartic. It feels really good every once in a while just to sob um, and release kind of the energy that you're you're holding throughout the year. But I'm I'm surprised every time. I shouldn't be surprised, but I am. I'm surprised every time I open that. They have their own little box of ornaments, and every time I open it, they have their little picture in, in one set of them, and it floors me every time. Um, yeah, I, I don't think, know what I think you also get, um, like, age markers. Yeah. You know, it's like my child would have been that age, or, you know, my child would have been playing soccer or baseball. Um and so sometimes just, uh, you know, you're at a, a niece's sporting event or something and it just kind of hits you out of nowhere that um, it could have been you and just, and stuff like that. Uh, and and mostly you're not even paying attention to anything and then it just pops in your head. And yeah. So for you guys during those times, let's, and maybe there isn't an answer to this, but during that time where all of a sudden it just hits you, you're, you know, you're watching your niece's basketball game and you're like, oh, this, this could have been, you know, Alice or, you know, right then and there, do you have tools that you use in order to process through that? Because otherwise I would also imagine, I keep using that word imagine because I, you know, uh, that can just pile and pile and pile and pile and pile. Mm -hmm. So, you know, have you learned any tools at those junctures? We, we did a lot of, uh, work with the grief support system at Essentia. And so we did monthly meetings with people and talked about it. And so we've, we've been really open about it our entire yeah. um, journey. And so we don't, I don't think it stacks up real, real far. Um, and so you just kind of, for us, you just, you just accept it and it, and it kind of flows through, um, shed a couple tears and remember them and yeah and then we also um do um as much as we can to remember them and and talk about them throughout the year um you know we have a a tree at the near the cemetery there that uh, is in memory of them and we go there often during the summer Mm -hmm. um yeah and just you know just like the memories of the ornaments and and the different things. It just, so it's like when when you've processed so much of it, um, the tears never stop. Yeah. <laughs> but what I'm hearing you say is that you're lo- you allow yourself to process through it. Yeah. Instead of saying, I'm going to go take a swig of whiskey or I'm going to go do unhealthy things. What I'm hearing is 
the healthy way is to literally just let yourself feel it and it's okay. And to surround yourself with people who understand. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely. Having community support for us has been everything. Having other people and other families who relate and understand. Um, and I think there's a lot of people, well, and here we are in the world of COVID, right? So all of our community support groups were shut down. Um, so talk about grieving and hurting in the midst of this. So let's just imagine. So we're 10 years out, and we had our whole family there when we lost our children. My husband was in the room with me when we lost our children, his, his children, just as much as mine. Um, imagine these families in the last two years who haven't had a support system with them in the family, or in the hospital, rather. Imagine the families who, it's just the two of them, um, who can't go to an in-person support group and who are then shut in their house grieving in the midst of this. It's, um, I think it just adds to the mental health crisis in our country right now in the midst of it, of these families who are grieving in the midst of that. So to be intentional, to find support in whatever way you can. And there are amazing support groups online. There are um, organizations who have provided you know, Zoom support groups in the midst of that. There are, there are groups for your unique loss. I'm in Facebook community groups of um, those who have lost all of them in a multiple pregnancy. I'm in a support group who have lost um, one, two, or all three in a triplet pregnancy. Um, that, it is the amazing thing with our, with our world of how we can be connected even in the midst of this. And, that, and it crosses over to grief support in that too. So being intentional to grieve in your own way. And other people might not grieve as publicly as we have. Um, but there are still safe places online that you can grieve in your own way intentionally. And I think it's incredibly important. Um, and to be open about how you're grieving as a couple, I think, is super important. Nathan and I are incredibly different people. <laughs> incredibly different people. So I want to touch on that, actually, because I have two points before we lose our time here. Yeah. And I, I mentioned this um, before you guys showed up, is that I think culture has a way to forget about the dad. Yes. And to forget about the husband. And, and maybe that's not true, but that was my hunch. And it's just as much their loss. Absolutely. So I, can you just speak to that? The, the process is so different because a lot of people would, you know, it's like I felt them move and I held them. But um, depending on when the loss is, that, that might not be something that the husband ever deals with. And you can so speak to that to the first two pregnancies. Yeah, but you know, so it's it's never it's never something you feel, but it becomes your life because of what you are planning. And so it it's more of a loss of the future yeah. than than what like been. an yeah, and and less of a like physical change. But I see society almost ignoring the guy in a way, and then I also see uh, um, the man saying, "I need to be strong," yeah, and they shoving that all down. So I, I'm watching you, Nate, and I'm just, I'm like, you're such an incredible example. Yeah, there is, um, in the beginning, uh, I guess you know, it's like there was a lot of, of physical ailments with with Janelle and what she was dealing with, and so that you know, it's like. I had to be there. To you make, were my caretaker. Yeah. Yeah, and so you, 
your timeline is different. Um, and then two, obviously. Like your grief is almost delayed because you were taking correct. care of me. Yeah. And, and that depends on your, your support group, too, of like who you have helping and, and what can be done. But yeah, it's, and I mean, I want different things too than, you know, I, the memory box isn't as much for me. It's not those um, pieces for the grief are, are completely different in, in my case. So it, it's hard to say um, if the men are forgotten or if the men just, Differently. so different that it's tough because even at so the grief them, support you know yeah. there's like two or three of we us. had to pull other dads in because nathan came with me and like yeah i'll go with you for you and then realized how how supportive it was for him and then when other moms were there saw that he showed up slowly all of the other dads started showing up when we were really early in our loss um yeah. i would say it as i attend now it's it's more moms again but when we were early on our loss, it was like, oh, there's another dad here. Like, maybe my husband will come. Um, for partners to grieve that together well is so important to be on the different page and be okay with that. But tell them, tell them what you did in your grief the first week. Well, that's, that's exactly the same question I have. What would you say to a, a, a dad right now who is just experiencing this? Like, what, what could you, what words would you, if you're sitting right there in that room with a new dad, you know, what would you be able to say to them? Besides just hug them and say nothing. Because yeah. my understanding is that's probably, <laughs> that's, <the best. laughs> that's probably the best, you know? Yeah, you're not alone. Yeah, I didn't. I had a friend do that exact same thing. and That was probably the best thing. But then to... Um... I'm thinking of what you built. If you can, or I can, t do you want me to say it? Okay, so um, when I was home, his parents and my parents moved in with us every other week and were prepared to do that while I was on bed rest. So they just did that after they died instead to take care of me and my daughter. Nathan went back for short hours at a time um, to work as he could, and that was some of his coping mechanism was getting back to some of the normal things, just doing some of the things and being busy. But he is also an amazing handyman woodworker and likes to be able to do things with his hands. So we had gone through a dozen different urns that were options, and none of them were right. None of them felt right. Um, so he handmade the box that their um, ashes are in. And I was terrified. <laughs> that my husband, who was newly grieving, was alone in the garage with power tools. <laughs> um, legitimately, I was terrified. But that was his way of being able to do something with his hands, by himself, to process his emotions in the way that he needed to, in a safe place that was okay for him to do that, and to be able to give his children a gift that he otherwise would not have been able to give them. Um, for their birthday, he, they were um, born and died in February. So in Minnesota, that's Arctic territory. It's hard to do some of the lovely things that a lot of families do to remember their children. We weren't doing a balloon release. We weren't doing butterflies or doves. Um, you were shoveling. We were shoveling. <laughs> so he made ice lanterns and spent 
weeks making them perfect and coloring them each different colors for each of our children and putting candles out and we did that along the shores of Lake Superior and it was absolutely beautiful so for him it's been doing something hands-on mm-hmm. um, to remember them so I hear you saying allow people in yeah be intentional to stay connected and make sure you've given permission to the people around you to make sure you're safe yeah is that a fair statement? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And communicating with your partner, being open and honest with where you are. For us, the support groups were an opportunity for us to say out loud monthly, this is where I'm at. So I might have to step back into my life to take care of my two-year-old at home, and I might need to cook dinners and go to work and be part of my daily. But for us to be intentional to say out loud this is really where I'm at with grieving. This was hard for me, but I might have stuffed it. You didn't realize that was hard for me, but this was hard for me that day to communicate. Trauma so. tears people apart. Absolutely. And I've, I've watched you through these years, and I'm listening now, that you guys have decided to take intentional steps to get support. Yeah. And I think that's a very important, important point. It's work, for sure. It's work, but you, don't ha- but you don't have to know what to do because you can call these support groups and yes. you can allow them to direct you and lead you when you don't know what end is up and you don't even know what time of day it is. Yeah. 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 This terrible club to be a part of, it was good just to, to talk to people with a similar story. Um, just none of them are exactly the same and you, you really can't fathom how people can manage what they had to deal with, but just to understand that you both, but you all have something similar and you've, you've gotten up and you've made it through another day. Right. Um, and just to connect with them through that and then, then you can just keep moving forward. Yeah. Um, and then the NICU can be the same kind of community in its own way. We don't know what that is like. We, don't, we didn't walk that with our children. We walked that with our nephew. Um, but to be able to provide opportunities for them to have memory-making, intentionality, um, in the midst of that with hopes that they go home. But we also recognize that there are going to be a number of those children who are living in the NICU right now this Christmas who won't go home. So we try to opportun- give opportunities for them to do similar memory making. We do a hand impression ornament with all of our NICU stockings. That's an important one. A photo album. The same kind of things. Um, again, with the prayer that they, that they come home, but that they have that opportunity if they don't. So you've mentioned photo albums, you've mentioned ornaments, you've mentioned the tree. Yeah. You know, all these things are um, kind of forever reminders. And so the last thing that we haven't talked about is siblings. Yeah. So uh, it, there has to be a fine line between not forgetting and always wanting to make sure we have memories but where do the siblings fall in there to feel like they're part of that and they're not overshadowed by it? Yeah. I think, again, everybody walks that differently. There's some people who maybe haven't told their living children that they have lost um, a sibling and other people who live that out in, the per- out in the open every day. They have their pictures on the wall. They have the ornaments on the tree. So it, it's each family, certainly, their, their perspective on how they want to handle that. Um, we, 
we didn't have a choice on whether we were going to tell our oldest. She's 12 now. She was two at the time. She felt them moving in my belly. She talked to them through my belly button. She read them books. She tried to feed them snacks. (laughs) (laughs) Toddlers and grief are really difficult. So explaining to her what happened, how it happened, was probably, for me, the most painful part. Um, Coping with my own grief was my own journey, but trying to teach a two-year-old how to grieve was incredibly painful. Um, And I think it's important to understand like the developmental stage that your other child might be at. And um, having somebody explain to me like the developmental growth of children was really important. Um, it was a light bulb moment for me when somebody explained that kids will re-grieve as they are developmentally um, growing through life. So they might grieve at a two-year-old understanding. And for like example, and our daughter, when she was five in preschool, somebody's grandpa died. And they talked about in preschool how he went to heaven. Well, she had been told for years that that's where the babies were. And it never, it never crossed her mind that it meant that they died. So it took us three years to realize that we had never used those words with our two-year-old, that they died. We had just told her that they're in heaven now. She had like a childhood perspective that, well, they'll, they'll come back from heaven someday. <laughs> We're just waiting for them to come home. Um, so it didn't make sense to her until that moment that death was correlated with heaven. Um, and we were grieving in the midst of our own loss, so to explain that. But we have seen her re-grieve based on her understanding for, for 10 years. Um, she had another moment in, in sixth grade where she was just all of a sudden devastated and really grieving hard. And she had a new understanding of what death and loss and grief was at that age. Um, so I think it's important to walk with them to give them tools. There are amazing books for kids that talk about grief and loss and even specific to baby loss. Those are things that we also try to provide through the hospitals, um, books for children, specifically about the loss of a sibling. For our youngest, she was born after our loss. That has been tricky in its own perspective. Um, But because we have their picture on the wall and we have ornaments of them on the tree, it gives us like key moments throughout the year, not every day, but key times throughout the year that we can explain to her who they are, what their names are. Um, she had somebody talking about having a brother, and that was an interesting conversation because she has a living sister, but she does have a brother. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting to walk, but certainly important not to let your your grief and... Um, and that child overshadow. There was a, a moment that our, our grief mediator had talked about. She had twins. Um, and the one twin feeling like she was never good enough or never, mm-hmm. like she couldn't compare to the child who was lost. And because I they're, they're forever immortalized they're forever in perfection. Perfect. They're forever perfect. They're forever perfect. Yeah. And they're always talked about as perfect. They're always yes. talked about as positive. Yes. They're always, t- yeah. Very interesting point. One of the things that I think um, is important to watch for in the midst of that is that um, I kind of laugh in the midst of that too because um, I always imagine what what my three kiddos would be like and 
Nathan just said that this week when I was crying as we were putting ornaments on the tree. He's like, oh, imagine if, imagine if we had those three here. Imagine if we had five other kids, what that would have been. Like, that would be crazy. Um, and we can kind of laugh about it in the midst of how insane that really would be. It would be a lot. Um, but how imperfect and naughty and potentially troublesome they would be and how full our hands would be in the midst of that is a, is a grief in its own. But Yeah, you never imagine your children being bad. So when you're dealing with a living child that is being disobedient, you don't compare them to the lost child. So it's, it's a tough balance to, to yeah. deal with sometimes um, and, and can be very uh, disruptive in a family if it's not handled properly. Right. I think it is important to say that had they lived, they would have had just as many opportunities to make mistakes as you did. Um, and they are no better or more important than, than you are and being able to um, explain that to your kids. And I think any parent who has more than one kid walks that, right, of like trying to make sure that your, your children feel equally loved and equal time spent. And um, it's just a continuation of that conversation. Yeah. So this Christmas, memory boxes, stockings, unpack your current plan of what you're wanting to do and then let everybody know how they can jump in and participate should they want to. Sure. So we have um, a website called blessedwithmore.com. Again, that started as my blog. So there is uh, an area that kind of documents our story and then links um, to be able to donate in memory of or in honor of. Um, there is a, a yellow donation link at the bottom of our website that anybody can donate to. We are not a formal nonprofit ourselves. We are fiscally sponsored by Star Legacy Foundation, who is a their amazing organization founded by a lost mom and husband and um, their parents and she went through uh, the stillbirth of her son and so they do work amazing work internationally um, so the the funds go through them and then right back to me to purchase materials for teddy bears books blankets and memory boxes and then we also do smaller bags for families who are going through outpatient surgery in the case of uh, miscarriage ectopic um, emergency room clinic and you can donate just uh, a flat donation. You can donate annually, monthly. And if you want to uh, write a memory in memory of or in honor of, the name of that child will be included either in a, uh, a small slip inside the memory box or uh, tied to a tag on the teddy bear with the intention that immediately upon having that loss, that family knows that they're not alone. They have gone through something that somebody who comes before them have gone through. So one family can honor, and the other family can um, feel blessed that they're not alone. The Christmas stockings, at this point in time, I have used uh, the funds in that account to fill the stockings. Um, we have donations of books that are coming in through Us Born Books and More. Um, but we would gladly take uh, gift cards, gas gift cards, Walmart, Target gift cards, anything that you can imagine that a family in the NICU is struggling with. Um, Yellow Bike has paired with us in the past years as well to be able to have uh, a free drink to come through their, their drive through when they don't want to be seen. They, they don't have um, a night's sleep, so they can go through the drive through and get a hot cup of coffee as they go and try to make it through 
another night with our little one. Um, <clears throat> and direct, direct cash donations would be spent on uh, snacks, goodies, hot coffee for both the family room in the NICU as well as in the past years we've been able to bless our staff. So we fill their staff rooms um, in the NICU with hot coffee and goodies for those amazing nurses and doctors. Last year, um, thanks to the efforts combined with Yellow Bike of being able to share that story, we were able to also um, give to both St. Luke's and St. Mary's as well as the birthplace for the celebrating those families of other little ones who are coming into the world for Christmas. So for Yellow Bike, we're going to partner with you again, obviously, and Wonderful. we're going to give beans of bags of beans and you know coffee drinks. Um, so if anybody hears this and just happens to come through the shop, just mention it, and we'll have a little tab on our register too, so awesome. we can just make it really easy for people to, to give locally. Um, and then I was hoping to have it right now, but I don't... Um, Dan is making a really cool little label. So awesome. we'll have an actual blessed with more bag. Wonderful. So Thank then people you. will know where it's coming from. And, we appreciate and what it's doing. All of the donations we we've had uh, we've been so grateful to have a grant in the past years uh, sponsored by our local rotary. So a lot of our funds have been coming in or um, covered by that, but we've had very few donations in the last three years in memory of. So if we could have some extra padding in that account, it just means we can bless people with more. All right, let's put it. Let's put a number <laughs> to this. What what would you love to pad that account with? Give me a a, a number right now. Oh my goodness. Five thousand, ten thousand. What do you want? Three thousand three hundred and thirty-three dollars and thirty-three cents. That would be awesome. Let's shoot for three of those. Let's shoot for three of the three thousand three hundred and thirty-three dollars. That would, that would be, be fantastic. And we'll earmark that for everything that you need throughout the year. Every penny comes back to our community. Um, we also support where Nathan and I are from Grand Rapids, Minnesota. So we also support the hospital um, in Itasca County as well. So, uh, yeah. All of our local hospitals are blessed by every penny that comes through that account. This is a joyous time of year. It's a super hard time of year. Thank you for this conversation. Is there anything else that you think you want to just have the opportunity to, to say? Just if you have a grieving heart this time of year, regardless of how old your child was, when you lost them, you are not alone. You have other families out there who understand your... Um, your experience and share your story with somebody. You'll be surprised by how many people might relate. If you are a friend and a family member, say their name. So we're going to put links to your site and we're going to, I'm going to get links from you for like Essentia support groups. So we that can just That would be have, wonderful. Essentia yeah. has a support group. I just found out this week that St. Luke's will have a support group as well. Um, we have amazing nurses um, on the ground who do amazing things in our community and yeah, I guess what we haven't said, as I say, say their name. We can say our little ones' names. Juniper, Toby, Alice, Elliot, and Alexis. I hadn't heard a couple of those. So Juniper was our first little one who was a miscarriage. She was He or she was born in June. So for a long time, they went as June baby. Um, several years later, we felt compelled to, to name them. I felt compelled to name them. Nathan agreed. <laughs> Good job, Nathan. Um, Toby was born in October. So to October baby became Toby. Um, and for me, before we named Alice, Elliot, and Alexis, I needed names for the other two. It just felt like it was 
complete. Our family needed to have full names. And Alexis, Elliot, and Alice, where did those names come from? I think there's a story behind those. There is, yeah. So um, Alice is the name of my mom's aunt, who was like a mother to her. And her middle name is May, which is Nathan's grandma's middle name. So combination with that, um, Elliot Nathan. uh, Elliot is named after a combination of my grandma Eleanor and Nathan's dad is Joseph Lee, so Eleanor and Lee combined, and obviously Nathan after his daddy. Um, Alexis is a unique one, so it's Alexis Marie. I liked the name Alexander for my oldest daughter if she was a boy. That kind of became Alexis. It sounded good with Alice. And Marie is my middle name, um, as well as my grandma Lily's middle name. So... (laughs) There's our our connection. I actually didn't know that. (laughs) Yes. That that was grandma's middle name. Yes. So Janelle's mother and my mother are sisters. Right. In a unique family story as well. It's a long story. It's a long story there too. And um, so, yeah. So thank you guys. This can't always be easy. It's not, but it's good for us to be able to share our story and for us again to have intentional time to be, to grieve together. Well, and our mission and our purpose at Yellow Bike is to be a conduit to bring good things to people around us in order to make a positive impact. So I have to believe that people will hear this and say, you know what, I've had a loss and I've not dealt with it. And it's kind of being toxic to me and toxic to the people around me. And I need to maybe do something about it. Yeah. Say their name. If they don't have a name, give them a name, even if it's in your own heart. Nobody else has to know it. It's okay to name your child, whether you had a loss yesterday or 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you for your time, yeah. and thank you for everything that Yellow Bike does to give back to our community. Yeah, and thank you both for sharing your story and your journey uh, with us and allowing our brand to be a part of it. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm.